Please enjoy this celebration of the life and career of Dory Monson. You're listening to the best of the Dory Monson Show. Coming to you from the Carter Subaru Studios. Well, kind of. Welcome to the Big Show. This has been a crazy uh, day, man. I will tell you. I am actually on vacation right now. Just taking a little four-day weekend with my wife. And we got the word late last night that one of the major presidential candidates was available to do an interview with us this afternoon. So I'm coming to you from a radio station at an undisclosed location. Now, I would like to welcome to the big show the Republican nominee for President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Mr. Trump, it is a pleasure. Thank you for coming on with me this afternoon. About 15 years ago. That's a long time, but I still remember. We spent a lot of time talking about our kids and about family, and I I saw a different side of you that I think a lot of potential voters have not seen yet. Well, family is so important to me, and it should be important to everybody, but nothing like family. With all the success and everything else, nothing like family, Dory. Okay, we'll get back to that in a minute. Let's talk about some of the issues here. Uh, You're coming to the Seattle area tomorrow night, Everett to be exact. Why are you spending time and energy here in Washington State when it is one of the bluest of blue states and appears unflippable? Well, it's true, but we seem to have a great receptivity there. We've gotten very good numbers from other states where we're sort of in the same position. And we are doing, I guess, we're a little bit of a different kind of candidate, frankly. And I am in Los Angeles, and I'm in different parts of California. I said, let's go up. And uh, our senator over there, as you know, he's been a we've had tremendous support from some of the people in Washington state. And I would I said I would do it. And I hear they're going to have a very big turnout. So I said on the way back, I will be uh, doing it. I'll stay there. And uh, I I love the state. I have so many friends there. And I said, let's do it. Who knows uh, if it's uh, the right thing or the wrong thing. But as far as I'm concerned, it's the right thing to do, because I I have always loved the state. Well, and you talk about things that should be keenly interesting to to voters here because immigration is such a major issue. I know you're giving a major speech on that later this week. Washington right. is a border state. Our border is with Canada. Uh, are we, eventually, would we need a wall between Washington and, or between the U.S. and Canada? Well, I think it's unlikely, to be honest with you, and I think that, uh, you know, a lot of good things are going to happen with Washington State if the politicians are careful, but you better be careful because you know what's going on with Boeing, and Boeing's building massive facilities in China, 
and then they'll drop their currency and they'll start devaluations as they always do. And then they'll start taking your business away and you won't have very much of Boeing left. If I'm president, that won't happen. But believe me, they're looking to get your businesses out of there. And you know how bad the trade deals have been for Washington State because they're very unfair deals. Now, you live with them, but we should do more than live with them. But the deals have been very, very unfair, the trade deals that have been made. And I know you've talked a lot about the trade deals. What could you do specifically to keep Boeing from outsourcing? Well, look, I mean, basically, you have to create something where other countries, and mostly it's countries, but other countries are not devaluing their currency. You look at what's going on with China. You look at what's going on with other countries that are competitors of ours and competitors in the sense of Boeing, and they make it impossible for your companies and your local companies to compete. And before you know it, they won't even be making the planes in Seattle. They won't even be making the planes in the state of Washington. And you watch. I mean, uh, hopefully I get in so you're not going to have that problem. But if I don't get in, I guarantee you Someday you'll be calling, you'll be saying, you know, I remember when this guy Trump was saying this is exactly what was going to happen. And you'll see what you look at what's going on with China. Look at the facilities they're building over there. So you better be very careful because they're looking to take your business. Another issue that uh, you talk about that's critically important to our region is that of sanctuary cities. Seattle is a sanctuary right. city. Washington's a de facto sanctuary state. And we we see the real-life repercussions. There was a, an English illegal here a few years ago. Got pulled over by the police in a traffic stop. They didn't ascertain his immigration status. A couple weeks later, he walked on the campus of the University of Washington, shot and murdered an ex-girlfriend. When you see that this guy had actually been pulled over by the police and they couldn't determine his status, we start to see some of the real-life consequences of what you're talking about there. Well, that's one of thousands of instances. It's all over the country, and sanctuary cities are out. Basically, they're just a way of protecting people coming in. In many cases, and you have people that are being protected that shouldn't be allowed in our country that are at the highest level of criminal element. They're killers, and sanctuary cities are out. And not only that, our police force, when they hear about sanctuary cities or when they hear they're illegal immigrants, They don't even fight the same way because they feel there's nothing they can do. I mean, there's just nothing they can do. It is so unfair to the families of those that, I mean, you have, I mean, people being killed by, by such large numbers and we can't allow it to happen. And sanctuary cities are over. Is it's over? I mean, is this a state's rights issue or is this something that you think the federal government can mandate? How do you do that? Uh, the federal government's going to have to get involved, and they're going to have to get involved very sharply because the crime is incredible that's coming out over our borders, and the federal government is going to have to get involved. Okay, a couple of other issues in the news today. Uh, the Obama administration today said they are ahead of schedule. They've now admitted 10,000 Syrian refugees. A lot of governors have said no. The governor of our state, Washington, Jay Inslee, he said we will welcome as many Syrian refugees as possible. Can they be properly vetted, and does this pre- prevent or present a security risk to states like ours? The answer is very simple. No, it cannot, and they cannot be properly vetted. And it's shocking that your governor is enthusiastically accepting these people. All you have to do is look at Germany and look at different countries in Europe. 
and look at look all over and look at the disaster that's taking place. Take a look at Germany. Take a look at Paris and take a look at at Nice and so many other places. Uh, look at Belgium. Uh, you to to accept the people. Many governors refuse and they fight very hard. They fight as hard as you can fight not to allow this to happen. And you're right. Obama wants it to happen and Hillary Clinton wants it to happen and Trump will not allow it to happen for a minute. Okay, a couple other quick things in the news today. Uh, Huma Abedin announced she is splitting from Anthony Weiner. I know you released a statement about this earlier today. Does does Huma Abedin's relationship, does it reflect on your opponent, Hillary Clinton? Terribly. I mean, I said a long time ago that she's married to a guy who is a disaster. I've known him for a long time. Uh, here's a guy that what he's done over the Internet is disgusting, and he's a pervert and just a very sick guy. And she is married to him. And she, you know, by the way, check a look, at, you know, take a look at where she worked, by the way, and take a look at where her mother worked and works. You take a look at the whole event. But in the case of Anthony Weiner, she's married to a guy that is uncontrolled and uncontrollable. He's, he's a sick person. And, you know, she has access to classified information. Uma Abedin has access to classified information. How Hillary got away with that one, nobody will ever know. But to think that it's very likely that much of this information Anthony Weiner would know about. And I think it's something that was terrible. At the same time, I think knowing Weiner... I think Uma Abedin did a very, very smart thing when she finally decided to leave him. Very smart. I'm amazed because everybody talks about the gender gap in this campaign, and yet you have Hillary Clinton, Uma Abedin. They surround themselves by men who degrade them. And, you know, I say this as a a husband and as a father of three daughters. I, I don't understand people surrounding themselves with people who degrade them like that. Well, he's a sick person he's a sick puppy and so you know it just happened and it's uh, you know it's actually sad in many ways but he's a very sick guy and you know i said if you look back you'll see that i said at the beginning the worst thing she can do is marry this guy he's a you know i've known him because he's a politician i've known him yeah. for quite a while and i i understood uh, that he had difficulties and certainly when it came out uh, I don't know if these people get cured. It doesn't seem like it. But for him to have in this position that he's in, to have done it again, and this time with a baby at, at his side, a little baby at his side, is uh, hard to comprehend. Yeah, it sure is. Hard to comprehend. Are you, are you following uh, 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick uh, refusing to stand for the anthem? He talked about both you and Hillary in his comments yesterday. He had, had bad things to say about both you and Hillary. you following that story at all? Well, I have uh, followed it, and I think it's, uh, I think it's personally not a good thing. I think it's, I think it's a terrible thing. And, uh, you know, he'll, uh, maybe he should find a country that works better for him. Let him try. It won't happen. Got it. Okay, last thing. Look, we started off talking about family. I was in Cleveland. I came away from that convention saying that I thought one of your greatest strengths coming out of that was your kids, uh, who I, I thought I thought hit home runs. Dad to dad, 
and for every parent who's listening, because your kids weren't on rich kids of Instagram and they aren't covered with tattoos and they got good educations, what would you say is the quality as a father and with, uh, with their moms that uh, produced a, what seems to be a pretty good group of kids for you there? Well, they're very good kids, and they work very hard and love what they do, but they were smart, and they went to good schools and good colleges, and they uh, they did well as students, but I've always told them no drugs, no alcohol, no cigarettes. I'd always tell them that from the time they were very young, no drugs, no alcohol, no cigarettes. If you can keep them away from the drugs and the alcohol, you're giving them a tremendous boost in life because so many young kids, smart kids, good kids, they're, but they're hooked. And if you can keep them away from the drugs and the alcohol, it's a tremendous, they will have a tremendous advantage in life. Yeah, very true. All right, look, I know uh, I know that you're in the midst of all kinds of stuff this afternoon. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. I hope you have a fantastic time in Everett tomorrow night. And uh, I've, I've heard from a lot of people, I think you're going to have a good turnout there tomorrow night. Well, I, we're going to have a lot of fun, and, and again, so many people are coming that know me, and I hear we're going to have a fantastic group of people, so I look forward, and I hope I see you there. All right. Republican candidate for President Donald Trump. Mr. Trump, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Donald Trump with us here on the Dory Monson Show. All right. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you just heard from Mr. Trump. you got a lot of ways you can get a hold of us. You can email me if you go to MyNorthwest.com, the Dory Monson Show page. Those come right to us in the studio. Also on Twitter, at Dory Monson, D-O-R-I-M-O-N-S-O-N. You can also text the show. Send your text to 98973, 98973. But we would love to get your feedback on uh, what you just heard from Donald J. Trump. All right, we got a lot more news to cover, and cover it we shall as the Dory Monson Show rolls on. Celebrating the life and career of Dory Monson. You're listening to the very best of the Dory Monson Show. I tell people it's just us? No. <laughs> well, the, uh, some probably saw it on the camera. I think that's if an all-time any, first. I think oh, so. Oh. If anyone saw it. <laughs> it's the first time I've had to actually wake you up, but wow. it's not the first time you've fallen asleep. How's your newscast? <laughs> I look over there, getting ready for the fastest 15, and your eyes are completely... <laughs> You look so relaxed. Oh, I, I had a dream. I'm, I had a nice little dream going. I'm pointing to Nicole, and she just gave you a walk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she gave me. Oh, good, you got video of it. Uh, yeah, the, Nicole came and smacked me with some papers and brought me back to reality. We need to post that. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know whether we'll laugh or cry, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> let's just laugh. Uh, yes, so, okay. So much better for the soul. Take it from me. <laughs> True. You're listening to a celebration of the best moments in Dory Monson Show history. For more information on the life and career of our friend Dory, please visit MyNorthwest.com. I really, really respect all of my listeners, almost all of my listeners, because I know for certain that listeners to the Dory Monson Show, we've done all kinds of demographic studies, you are just simply smarter than most other media consumers. You're, you're much smarter. Now, among you geniuses who listen, there is sprinkled in amongst you a few dim bulbs. And I have some examples of that as we go forward into the afternoon. I was talking a little bit yesterday, and I still want to go into this more in depth. I, I was a skier when I was in my teens and into my 20s. In fact, Nicole, do you want to hear a funny story um, about how I got into skiing? Of course. Okay. Here's how it happened. My mom <laughs> was a big bingo player. She loved playing bingo. We didn't have the money for her to be out gambling because she would lose way more than she would win. But my mom, she would she would buy like 24 strips of three bingo cards for the big blackout. And uh, so, you know, she'd be playing 72 cards sometimes. And she would tape 72? them together. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and then she had what was called a dauber, bingo ink bottle. I just stayed at that far end hotel at the Strip. Uh, oh gosh, I, remember, I forget the name now, but it had that's what they're famous for is the bingo oh, place, the bingo. and that's what we did. Yeah, yeah. All the time. South Point. It's, that's it's what's a big called. deal. Uh, yeah. So uh, I would go with her once in a while, and one night because she had a different place every night. Uh, Sunday night, it was the Ballard Senior Center, and Monday, I think, was the Ballard Boys and Girls Club, and Wednesday was St. Alphonse's School, Thursday was the Wallingford Boys and Girls Club, Saturday night was the Highland Ice Arena out on Aurora, and they had an upstairs room where you could kind of look out over the ice, but they'd play bingo there. And and my mom would have her all her daubers in a plastic bag, and she'd go in, she'd buy all the cards, People wonder why I turned out to be a gambler. This this is it right here. So, and then the, the callers, they never had any personality. And be like, I, 17. I, 17. And then you'd look down, my mom would have a dauber, and she'd just be scattering. Get all the I-17s. And sometimes you just had to get five in a row like regular bingo, but sometimes you had to get a Chevron. Do you know what a Chevron is in bingo? Uh, the up and like a is that like a W? It's like a V. It goes yeah. from one corner to the the free space in the middle, and then up to the uh, the other corner. Yeah, like okay, the top yeah. left, top right. It can go from the top right to the bottom right, but it just makes a V to the center shape. And then okay. they'd all kinds of uh, other names for what you had to do. Well, the big game of the night is the blackout. 
And that's the first person to get every single number on their card covered up. And the grand prize this one night at the Highland Ice Arena was $300 for the blackout winner. So I was 13 years old and 12. I think it's 12 years old. And I buy a strip of three bingo cards to play the big blackout. And lo and behold, there's you know probably 120 you know, women, older women, all of them smoking, and then this one little kid, me. And guess who won the blackout? Wow. What? Exciting. It was very exciting. I was just brimming. And they gave me the three hundred dollars. And wow. uh and in the adjacent room they had pinball machines and my mom said, Oh no, you want to keep playing, but you can win some more games. And I said, No, no, no I'm I'm playing pinball. Because I had money in my pocket now. And then, after I blew about eight bucks playing pinball, the next day I went to a ski supply store and I bought my first ever set of skis, boots, bindings, and poles. And I started skiing them. How much did that cost then? Uh, It was was about 200 bucks. And then I had to get the bib overalls and everything else. so anyway, I haven't skied since I was in my 20s. So what's going on at Stevens Pass? Because I've thought about getting back to skiing this year. But uh, I'm furious for the people who are getting ripped off up there. Who draws the crowd and plays so loud, baby, it's the guitar man. Who's gonna steal the show, you know, baby, it's the guitar man. You're listening to a celebration of the best moments in Dory Monson's show history. For more information on the life and career of our dear friend Dory, please visit MyNorthwest.com. Something keeps him going Miles and miles a day To find another place to play Night after night we treat you right could be just crazy sports fans. But, but uh, the, the whole graffiti and vandals, I mean, that's been going on since the beginning of time, practically. And I always wonder, because I actually talked to a tagger. I, I spoke to someone who uh, did it for like almost like a living. Uh, and there's a, just a thrill. I mean, they get a, it's like a, an adrenaline rush. You did it for a living. Well, practically. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, what kind of money can you make? He made it a yeah. habit. He made it a, yeah. Was, yeah. Was, it, it, was a, it was a regular thing. There used to be, remember the old Tubbs building? He was, yeah. 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 Inside and he, out. He, yeah. He was responsible, yeah, in the U District. He was responsible for most of that. Uh, and uh, people would go drive by just to see it. <laughs> I know. I've set you on a whole nother. I, I just started remembering. <laughs> That's, I in, in case believe... anyone doesn't know, that we would pay money to rent a hot tub for an hour. When you say we, not you and I. No. Yeah. I did it too, though. Yeah, yes. But <laughs> separately. We, yeah, separately. We did it. Uh, no, it oh, was boy. so disgusting. I know. They, they had showers in there, too. <laughs> well, they had... I mean, it's such a bizarre business concept. It's right on the corner of 50th and Roosevelt, Uh was it? The Mm -hmm. the southeast corner. Yeah. So you go in, 
and they do you, do you know about this nicole about tops oh i i know about it i have never been there oh yeah it's gone yeah it's yeah. done before my time yeah no, when i went to the university of washington i was quite the player you go in and you'd rent a room and it had a hot tub in it and it had a Music. It had music. It had music. A bed it had with a, bed. a little thin mattress. What? Yes. I didn't know about the bed. Yes, it was oh, a yeah. little like a bench. It was a little like plywood platform with a thin mattress on it. Oh, lights were dim. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah, and uh, sorry. So you went in there to just hang out with your friends? <laughs> sure. <laughs> hey, John, you want to go to Tubbs today? <laughs> oh boy! Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Then- <laughs> we were talking about vandalism, and now we've gotten to tubs. This is how this show goes. Well, and then when your time was almost up, they they would on a speaker. Oh God, yeah. You have five minutes remaining. <laughs> I tell you what, if that doesn't ruin the mood, yes. <laughs> the moment like contemplating what can we do in five minutes oh crap five minutes i needed six i don't even i don't think i wanted to know that you two had been there again separately separately Separately. oh yeah anyway Uh, the building's gone yeah and it was covered with graffiti graffiti, and buses would go by so that was his yeah that's what i mean about his business (laughs) it was gross it was so disgusting Oh, I just, there's no filtration system powerful enough to make that water suitable for, for human dipping. It was so disgusting. I can't, oh, oh, the things I would do when I was 21 years old. My goodness. Thank you for joining us as we celebrate some of our favorite moments from the Dory Monson Show. I close my Please enjoy this celebration of the life and career of Dory Monson. You're listening to the best of the Dory Monson Show. We had the right love at the wrong time. Guess I always knew inside. I wouldn't have you for a long time. Those dreams of yours. Shining on distant shores And if they're calling you away I have no right to make you stay But somewhere down the road Our roads are gonna cross again It doesn't really matter where So, uh, Nicole, the place we stayed and just tell me if I'm a wimp. Tell me if I'm being unreasonable here, okay? Uh, okay, I will. In no fact, problem. Okay, <laughs> in fact, Nicole stopped by our house on Saturday, and my wife 
and Nicole and I, we had a nice little two-hour visit. And my wife started to tell you this story. And I did my, we're going to save it for on the air on Monday. And right. so I wouldn't let my wife tell you the story on Saturday. So, so um, we're in our room. And this place was fantastic where we were staying. And I was going to come back and give it rave reviews. A beautiful view of the lake. Just, it was lovely. And, um, you know, we got in on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, a gigantic thunderstorm starts rolling across the Flathead Valley of Montana. And there are all kinds of severe weather alerts and and hail the size of nickels will be falling. And my wife and I thought it was just cozy as can be. We'd gone for a two-hour bike ride that morning, and now we're back and we're watching this, you know, the type of thunderstorm we don't get here in the Seattle area. So uh, there was a, a nice stuffed chair in one corner of the room, and my wife moved the chair into, uh, on, onto the door in front of the door that went to our deck. And when she moved the chair... Nicole, oh, no. she saw a piece of she saw a piece of cloth on the ground in the corner of the room, and she thought, "Oh, they must have dropped a dust rag or something." Because, you know, this was a big deal for me. I'm going to go out and stay someplace for the first time during COVID nineteen, and I want a place that's you know is clean. And so, my wife, um, I uh, think we all want that whenever we go anywhere. Well, but especially now, I mean, I, I, I'm still sure. a little paranoid about this this virus. So my wife thinks it's a, a dust rag on the floor, and she goes to pick it up. It's a pair of men's underwear, <laughs> and they're not mine. <sighs> Somebody so, was taking them off in a hurry and flung them behind the chair. A great well, they, you, you know, sometimes you toss clothes on on chairs in hotel rooms. So I'm now I got the heebie-jeebies, which is a phrase I haven't used in forty years. But uh, it, it's just, and my wife dropped it right away, of course, and then went and scrubbed her hands. And I'm, you know, I call the front desk. And I say, I say, hey, been here for a few days, just have had a lovely time. We love your place. And I said, but my wife just found a pair of men's underwear in the corner of the our room, and they aren't mine, and they sure as heck aren't hers. And the gal at the front desk kind of started laughing, and, and I go, no, no, this really isn't funny. I said, could you just have somebody come up? And remove them from the room, please. And so, first of all, I guess my first question is: Am I a huge wimp? That I mean, I'll I'll use a plastic bag and turn it inside out and pick up after Buddy if we're out on a walk. But I could envision no scenario where I I wanted. I mean, even if I a plastic bag. As my protection, I didn't want to pick up some other man's pair of underpants. Is that unreasonable of me to want them? Should I have just dealt with it myself? That's my first question. 
I mean, I probably would have just dealt with it. I probably would have just grabbed a Kleenex or something and thrown them in the garbage. Done. (laughs) Sean, do you think I'm being unreasonable here? No. um, If I... If I were to see a pair of underpants that were not mine or my spouse's or whatnot, um, I would I would definitely um, not not be good not be cool with that. No, were, were they? Okay. Were I they... mean, were you gonna switch rooms because there's a pair of underwear? No, it's just I a just pair of underwear. Pick them, them up, out. throw them away. No, I just yes, I just wanted them out of my room, but I I didn't know I'd been sleeping with them in the same room for two days <laughs> and. This may come as a surprise, but you've probably, I mean, there were underwear that were removed from your room before. Like, there's been lots of underwear in that room. Yeah, and don't even take a black light to the bed sheet story. (laughs) I've thought about carrying one of those. The bed sheets and the remote. The remote is the most notorious one. Uh, Okay, so she says, well, we'll send somebody up right away to get the men's underpants out of your room. And uh, I'm kind of on my laptop, and the thunderstorm is raging, and it's really beautiful. And, uh, you know, an hour goes, half hour, an hour, an hour and a half. Finally, there's a knock on the door. And uh, it's a kid, and he goes, uh, Mr. Monson? And he hands me an envelope. And I go, what's this? And he goes, I have no idea. Have a good day. And he didn't pick up the underpants. And then I opened the envelope. It was a, a coupon for two free drinks. But the underpants are still sitting there. <laughs> and then, and so now I'm trying to do some stuff on my computer. It's like, I, it's like there's a dead body in the corner of the room. It's bothering me so much at this point. And, and so then my wife and I went to dinner. And as we're coming back... Uh, I go to the front desk and I say, hey, I called four hours ago about some underpants. <laughs> I mean, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just obsessed right now. I, go, I, go, I called about four hours ago about some underpants. And she goes, yeah, you talked to me. And I said, they're still on the floor of our room. And she was mortified. She goes, Nobody came up? I go, no, nobody. And she goes, did our general manager contact you? And I said, no. And I don't want a free night. I don't want anything. I just want them gone. And I said, would you please have somebody put on a little rubber glove and come up to our room and remove them? And about three minutes later, this poor kid comes up and he's all gloved up. And he goes, where are they? And he was pretty funny. And, uh... But then I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm a wimp. I'm just a wimp about stuff yeah, like this. Yeah, a little this. bit. And I, I, I didn't feel good about myself after this whole thing. Dory, well, a, that's unnecessary, but. Yeah, well, I have a question. Um, it might make yeah. a difference to the story, but were they tidy whities or boxers or boxer briefs? They were, uh, they were tidy whitey style, but they were like a denim blue color. Oh, those, look, those sound yeah. kind of nice. Yeah. I was thinking it was just like a lump of tidy whitey. And I was like, that's more disturbing than a nice colorful pair. Yeah, no, they were they were uh, nice, nicely blue hued. You know what? Now I'm feeling bad. And also, they were much smaller than what I would wear. And now I'm thinking, if if I had been thinking last week, 
I would have done the plastic bag inside out, picked them up, just put them in the suitcase, brought them home, washed them, oh, and then stop. brought them to and then brought them to you, Sean, is a nice gig because they, they looked like they were about your size. Oh wow, I didn't know you paid that much attention to my body like that, Dory. I've uh, I've seen your waist once or twice. Oh, and it doesn't go to waste. Oh man. Yeah, why don't we just end on that? Uh, that is your fastest 50. This has been a special retrospective celebrating the life and career of Dory Monson. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You're really a fantastic audience.